On this episode of the After the Timeout podcast, we welcome Tim Trendle, head boys basketball coach at Providence Catholic High School. We have a great conversation with Coach Trendle about self-reflection as a coach, taking over your program for a second time, and much, much more. As always, thank you for listening to the After the Timeout podcast. Let's start with our opening tip. So, Coach, you you and your brother, Ken, AD at Trinity, also former Benedictine guy. I know, I know him from <laughs> days, at, days at Benedictine. Uh, you both went into athletics in, in, in Catholic schools. Um, kind of why do you think you both followed that path? And then, you know, what are the benefits to you both being in the same professions, do, doing the same kind of thing and be able to exchange ideas? Um, well, yeah, I think a lot of that um, – kind of goes back to just the way we were brought up. You know, I mean, we, we attended Catholic schools, you know, from starting with, you know, kindergarten, first grade, and then really all through our, um, our college years, you know, I finished my master's at Dominican, um, you know, did my undergrad at Dominican, you know, Ken was much the same way, you know, between uh, St. Vincent, St. Pat's and Benedictine. So um, I think it's our upbringing, you know, in terms of just, you know, the schooling itself, you know, the way our parents kind of brought us up, you know, in the Catholic schools and kind of their importance, you know, how Catholic schools are important to them. So it's kind of just always been kind of in our blood. Um, it's kind of been that, you know, I think, you know, that's really all, you know, sometimes, you know, it's, 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 a little, it's all we know too. You know, there's been a couple of times, you know, where maybe you thought about a public school or something like that, but it's kind of scary then, you know, you look at it because I don't know public school education, you know, you only hear some of the stories and stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of, you know, makes it kind of, you know, like I said, a little bit of scared, scared to kind of like think about a public school because Catholic school education is all I know. Although you talk to some people, it's not that different, but um and I said, it, it just gives us the opportunity, I think, too, to kind of express our faith, too. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a man of faith and things like that. So it kind of gives you that opportunity to bring faith into, the, you know, the basketball program, you know, which is you don't have that kind of uh, luxury in a, in, a, in a public school. So I said we can do some things there. Um, and in terms of kind of, you know, just kind of being in the same profession, it does kind of, you know, allows guys to bump uh, bounce ideas off each other. You know, I mean, you know, kind of the situation will come up at his school and he'll call me and, you know, Hey, you know, how would you guys handle this? Or what, what do you think I should do? You know, I'm thinking about doing this, um, you know, and if, if, if I can't help him much, you know, I can turn him on to you know, kind of one of my friends who kind of are also kind of in similar situations and things like that. And, and vice versa, you know, kind of, you know, I got a parent who kind of is kind of, you know, being an issue, you know, Ken, what would you do as the AD? Kind of how would you handle that? You know, or you got a player who kind of, you know, maybe gets himself in some kind of trouble or something like that. You know, you're able to kind of share those ideas with one another and kind of just be good sounding boards for each other. Yeah, and I think I think that's important, right? I mean, I think, to, you know, Todd and I, you know, do that for each other. I think that's something, a benefit of the profession is that we all can kind of run ideas off of each other for sure. I mean, I think it's a great thing about the, you know, the coaching fraternity, you know, athletics fraternity is just kind of, it's, that's kind of one of the things I do what I do when I love what I do. It's, it's the people you build, you know, as coaches, as, you know, educators, you know, it's, you know, you, it, yeah, you know, you got to teach your content. Yeah. You got to coach your sport, but you know, you, we all, it's about the relationships you build, whether it be with your players, whether it be with your coworkers, your staff, you know, things along those lines. And, you know, it's always important. You know, I said the, the coaching profession, like I said, public school, private, no matter what you got those relationships, you got those mentors, you got those things that you can kind of just share those ideas with. And that that's been a huge, you know, thing for, for me, like I said, being able to have people, you know, whether it be my brother, whether it be guys I've 
coached with before, whether what not, just kind of just bounce those ideas off. And I said, that's the great thing. One of the great things, there's many great things about coaching, as you guys well know, but one of the great things is that fraternity of people that you have to share ideas with to get the support with. So let's kind of let's kind of dig into, um, you know, your career. So you you were a sophomore coach for well over a decade. And, and Todd and I were both, you know, sophomore uh, slash JV head coaches. Um, so let's just kind of start with that experience. What were what were some lessons that you learned during that time that you feel helped you prepare to be a head coach? Oh, I think it was a, that was a great time in my career. Um, you know, as I go back and think on things and reflect and and whatnot. Um, I said one of the unique opportunities I had. I don't think there's too many out there. You know, programs that kind of run things the same. I don't know if there's it's possible to run it the same way. But back when I was at St. Pat's, coaching with Coach Bailey. Um, you know, our sophomore head coach was also a varsity assistant and it wasn't an optional varsity assistant. It wasn't a, um, uh, you know, a, a varsity assistant name. It was, you were, you know, okay. He had his varsity assistant and then he had his sophomore head coach was kind of what it was, a, you know, a main man, right-hand man. So there were days when I go three to five sophomore practice and then maybe get a 10 minute break. If I was lucky, you know, to kind of collect my thoughts after practice. And then I'd be back out on the practice floor by five fifteen and out there till seven thirty with the varsity. And then, you know, we'd back, be back, you know, practice is done with the varsity. We'd have kind of a, whether it be a staff meeting, whether it be um, a film session, you know, kind of watch going over some tape breakdown or going out and seeing grade school games. Um, so, I mean, you know, it was kind of, it was intense. Like I said, I, I don't know, you know, how many, you know, if it's still possible today with all the people's got going in their lives and things like that. I try to do that a little bit, but there's just so much going on. I don't know. I said the hours that you put in with that, but it was just a great, those, those years was a great learning experience. Like I said, you, you kind of, like coach always said, as I kind of always felt is I think our varsity team at St. Pat's has kind of run like a college team. And then I, we felt like our sophomore team was run like your, your varsity high school team would be kind of, so I kind of, you know, got a lot of great firsthand experience there. Um, you know, whether you get to play in your practices with kind of coach overseeing, you know, one of the, you know, the best around overseeing it, you know, you get to coach your games, and then like I said you get to run into varsity practice and spend and, and not just stand there. Like I said that's the other thing, you know, about coach working with Coach Bailey was, you know, your assistants don't just stand there. He's not a big believer in that. He's not, you know, he wants guys coaching, he wants suggestions, he wants feedback, you know. So you're coaching then, you know, so basically I was coaching for four hours a day after school, which was kind of which was a neat thing. And one time it's, you know, you're running the practice, but then the other time you're you're kind of just kind of the 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 secondary voice at practice. So that was kind of like I said the, just the, all that the, you know, I said the game practice. The, the practice plan and the in-game coaching and then you know like I said and then I mean again I've had the luxury you know where you know you're coaching the sophomore game the, the St. Pat's Notre Dame sophomore game and it's like a varsity atmosphere I mean that, that's by if you weren't in but to the sophomore game by halftime I mean you didn't get in and and so that's you know that kind of crowd kind of got you ready I mean I remember the one time we played the last time we played Holy Cross and I was the sophomore coach I mean, before the game, there was people hanging off the balcony at St. Pat's. So it was, I mean, you know, just as a sophomore coach, and at that time, I'm in my late 20s, probably. I mean, how neat of an experience is that to be able to kind of, you know, coach in that environment? That's an environment I didn't have again until a regional championship, probably two later, two years later as a head varsity head coach. But I was kind of felt ready for that because of those those environments, those situations and things like that. So it's just kind of all that kind of put in. I said, I mean, I said, you're right there, you know, with coach, you know, I said, coach does it great. I mean, the proof's in the pudding with the guys he's kind of put out there and the quality of coaches that have kind of gone through his program. 
I mean, you're you're side by side with him. I mean, he's the man, obviously, but you're right there with him going through those things. And so everything working with Coach Bailey and that's kind of, you know, as a sophomore coach for 10 years, but he said really kind of one of his, I'd like to think one of his right-hand men for those 10 years, like I said, I mean, he gives you so much. It's not, it's not one of those coaches where he's not one of those guys where assistants are supposed to be seen and not heard. I think that was kind of the old school way, maybe back 30 years ago, 40 years ago. It's kind of, it was, you know, assistants get involved and he puts you in every step of the, of running a program, whether it be helping kind of find players, whether it be planning practices, game plans, you know, scouting, all that stuff, you know, kind of coach gives you that freedom, you know, again, under his direction, but, um, but so that I, you can't, those 10 years were, were invaluable for me. And then just an interesting follow-up. What was maybe the biggest change for you that when you slid over that seat, you slid over that head coach seat, what was maybe that biggest change? Oh, it, it, it's easy to sit there when you're in the assistant chair and throw out suggestions. But then you actually got to you got to land on a suggestion as the head coach. You know, yeah. you can sit there and suggest, hey, coach, you know, why don't we go triangle to this game or coach, you know, why don't we kind of, you know, this guy can't shoot. Maybe we don't guard him on the perimeter, you know, or that. And it's easy to throw those things out there. But then when you, you, you actually got to kind of pull the trigger on, oh, we're not going to guard this guy, but he makes four threes today. Then it's kind of on, on you, I think, as the as kind of the, the, the assistant coach. I think that is one of the, probably the biggest. Like I said I can I could throw out a million suggestions to coach. Maybe we do this. Maybe we do that. And like I said it's all great. Sounds great. But you got so you actually got to pull it. And obviously, I think this day and age, you know, it's, it, you know, dealing with the, actually, the, the, you know, I would deal with parents as a soft, but you always know your coach was behind you. You know, the ultimate kind of the parents kind of issue today's sports is kind of probably the biggest thing sliding over a chair and kind of having to kind of deal with those, those types of issues. So you talked about, uh, you know, some of the benefits of the Catholic school system in general, but we want to talk about it from the head coaching side. You know, what do you, when, when you're, you're in the, the Catholic school system and you're a head coach, what are some of the benefits of that? And then maybe what are some of the biggest challenges, right? Cause you talked about, it's very different than, than a public school, you know, you have work enrollment and, and all, and all these, all these other things you're trying to, to work on outside of basketball. So kind of the benefits and the challenges. Sure. Now I can only go off of, like I said, what I've known and what I've heard on the public school side, like some friends that I've got. So this kind of is this all, but like, um, I, I, you know, I think the biggest, one of the biggest things for me that I've heard of is kind of like, you don't have a lot of the red tape in the Catholic school system. You know, I said, I mean, you don't have to answer to a, a superintendent, a president of the school board, the school board, all those, you know, kind of, kind of run. And, you know, you don't, there's not a, you know, Johnny's not playing for, you know, the president of the school board, the super, those type, you know, you, you have your, in a Catholic school, you have your, your president of the school kind of stays out of things for the most part, you know, your principal and your AD is kind of really all you're kind of looked, I mean, you know, and then obviously your other stakeholders, you know, your alumni and your, which is, but I said, I think that's one of the biggest things is kind of not having to run through that, you know, you know, a, a superintendent, you know, and, and your superintendent works in a whole other building. You know, if I did have a problem, you know, where I needed to kind of, find my president the president's in the same building but i said the presidents very rarely get involved in that kind of stuff i said the principal's in the same building and my ad i said so it's kind of i think a lot of that red tape is kind of cut down on um i think the, the other big thing to kind of associate with that it seems like again from just my experience not knowing the public school kind of is like the catholic school administrators i've worked for always got your back i mean you'd have to screw up big time I would think for them to kind of but even if you do screw they're going to they're they're going to have your back but then they're going to tell you you screwed up behind closed doors a little bit um so I said I there, I know there's been countless times you know where maybe a parent went to the AD you know and complained about something and, and I it never even got to my desk 
just because they've kind of were able to kind of deal with it and say, no, you know, I'm, I, I've kind of observed the program firsthand. I'm there. I watched. I know what's going on. You know, you're talking about a playing time issue. This this, this thing's dead. You know, we, we're behind coach. Um, so th- those kind of, I think that's kind of the biggest thing to me. Um, you know, another thing, like I said, a big difference. I hit on it earlier. I mean, you can bring, you know, I said, I, I, I do believe in, in, in the Catholic faith. I'm, a, you know, you can bring, you know, the religion into your, your, your uh, program. You know, we use the chapel, you know, before games, you know, you pray before practice, you know, and I think it's important this day and age for um, young men to see, you know, a, a, a male quote unquote role model in their lives kind of practicing their faith kind of and living their faith out loud on a daily basis. So I, I think that's a big thing too, that you obviously can't do in a, in a public school. Um, I think a little bit too, and not that, uh, you know, maybe in private schools, like I said, obviously you get to, again, this is where, this is where I kind of, you know, some people tell you it's a positive. Some people tell you it's a benefit. You know, you, you got your 30 mile radius rule with the IHSA where you can kind of go find players and things like that, but also try and go find those players on <laughs> the other. It's not, you know, it's, it's not as easy as everybody kind of makes it sound. You know, I sat in a gym yesterday for uh, probably about six hours from about nine o'clock to four o'clock. And, you know, if I come out of it with maybe one, if I find one player in that mix, I kind of, that's six hours of work I, that, that, that I kind of put in. So, uh, you know, and then obviously can you find the player, but now they, can they afford, you know, Providence is like $15,000. So, I mean, you know, yes, I mean, there's financial aid and stuff like that, but still, I mean, you know, okay, let's say you get it down to maybe 11 or 12. And I mean, that's a car payment a month for some families. And even, you know, depending on the area you're in too, I said, okay, maybe, you know, a place like New Lenox, maybe a little more, you know, they have, but, you know, then if you ask them to pay $15,000 a, a year, you know, they got to give up a family vacation. They got to give something else up that, you know, that they're used to in their lives. So, you know, the whole kind of marketing, you know, admissions kind of finding players thing. I said, it, it, it's a double-edged sword. I think, you know, that's kind of, you know, you run into that and, you know, it, it's, it's, like I said, you know, it, it's not as easy. I think as everybody, as, as everybody thinks it is, you know, um, so that's kind of, I think, you know, one of the, it's a good thing. Like I say it could be a blessing. Yeah. Okay. You go, you can get some players got a little further boundaries, but it's not as easy as, as kind of, as it seems. Um, I think another thing, you know, again, kind of depend on where you're at a little bit, but a lot of Catholics, I, I take St. Pat's, I take Providence facilities can be a challenge at, at private schools. You know, I so said, we got at Providence, we have two gyms, you know, and, we have a boys program, girls program, each three levels each. You have dance and cheer that need practice time. So there's eight, you need eight practice slots in a day when we only have six. So, and, and you know, and, and the, the last two practice slots of the night are seven to nine. You know, so I think a lot of the public schools, you got your field houses, you got, you know, your your, your gym space, and maybe the latest you're practicing is five o'clock and you're done at seven. But, you know, it's, it's, I'm, we're stuck, you know, a lot of times seven to nine at night. And, you know, it's and then it comes into who practices seven to nine at night. You know, again, one of the things I kind of learned from coach back in the day at St. Pat's, we only had one gym. It was the varsity went seven to nine at night because, you know, you got kids in our case, you know, you got kids coming from all different parts of the, you know, area and, you know, travel and stuff like you can't ask a freshman really. It's tough to ask freshman parents to pick them up at 2.30 and then come back at seven and then come back at nine. You know, it was the varsity kids who were a little more access to transportation. So it's always kind of the varsity kids practice. But is that fair to varsity kids? And then you got a game the next day. So it's again, I think that's kind of one of the, the challenges you kind of face as a, as a private, you know, the facilities can kind of limit you. Um, another challenge to working in a Catholic school, I think, is a little different than than your public schools is booster clubs. 
I mean, you know, Catholic schools really don't have, I don't have a, a booster club at, at Providence that we don't have, it didn't have one at St. Pat's, they didn't have one, at, you know, so now you're kind of stuck, you know, St. Pat's didn't let you fundraise because again, it, it becomes a sticky topic because, you know, you ask them to do the school as you do so many fundraisers, you know, to help offset the tuition imbalance and stuff like that. Now, all of a sudden you're asking as a basketball program to help fundraise it, you're really hitting those parents up. We're having a hard time enough paying. So, you know, depending on where you're at, you know, a lot of times you may have to fundraise on your own, you know, to kind of get that uh, shooting gun, Dr. Dish, you know, a huddle subscription. A lot of times that, you know, booster clubs would kind of, I think, help take care of you in the public schools. Um, so I think that's kind of, you know, kind of some of the, just the major kind of, you know, things that kind of jump out to me. So let's go into um, your time as an administrator and maybe some things um, that connect to coaching. So I want to take this question a little bit of a two-sided question. What were some things maybe that you learned in coaching that you took to be an, an assistant principal? And now on the flip side, what are maybe some things you learned as an assistant principal that you're like, you know what, I'm taking that back to being a coach? Maybe both well, I think one of the biggest things, again, I, I go back, I said I, my, my philosophy on coaching is, is, is coaching's relationships. Um, and I think, you know, being able as an assistant, the assistant principal I worked at for St. Pat's for that year was my relationship was with the faculty. You know, it was kind of I was kind of a lot of little times an intermediator, maybe between the, the you know, whatever's going on, the principal, the president, you know, and the, and the faculty or whatnot and, and things like that. So I, I, I had to kind of develop a good working relationship with the faculty. I had to get them to trust me. Now, again, one of the benefits was a lot of them had known me from being there before. So they kind of knew of me and what I was about and who I was as a person. And, you know, so I think I kind of had developed some trust. And again, as you know, as a coach you got to get the tr players to trust you before they run through those walls and things like that. So, uh, you know, so I had the trust of the, of the, of the staff and the faculty to be able to kind of develop a good working relationship where I could kind of become a problem solver then in some cases, you know, there's an issue come up here and you don't, you can't imagine that. I said, so you actually sit there much like as a head coach, you know, as an assistant coach with a head coach, but become an administrator and the things that come up throughout the day, you know, issues that come up with teachers and things like that. And so to be able to have, you know, that kind of trust and that develop that relationship with them, I was kind of, I said, I think we had, a, I think I had a good working relationship with the teachers that year on, on, on my side and just being able to kind of then, you know, have that relationship where they come in they can, and I can help them solve their problems. And it, it kind of created a collaborative effort, which I think is what you're going for, what I'm going for as a coach. You know, again, I'm trying to kind of make it, you know, it's a kind of, I guess it's probably a new relatively new term and coach, you know, kind of the player led team and those types of things. And, you know, gone are the days of, you know, coach ruling with the iron fist and those types of things, you know, you want the players kind of, you know, I kind of want the, I wanted the faculty to kind of take ownership, you know, again, cause it's, it's, they're the ones, they're the majority of the staff. They're the ones that are out there. They're beating the bushes. They're in the trenches with the kids. So I really wanted them to kind of feel involved and appreciated and, and those types of things and, and listen to and, and their voices heard. You know, I think that's one of the good things I am is a good listener. So I was able to kind of, you know, there was a line of people in, you know, coming in out of my office kind of all day because I could listen to them. They trusted me and we had that relationship. And I think they felt like their concerns were heard, their, their issues were heard, and they felt like, you know, we're in this together, which I think is what you're looking for, you know, as a coach and coach and player relationship, I think, too. I know that makes sense. No, definitely. Uh, so I want to get into your psychology background in the in the classroom there, and and using it in coaching. Um, you know, having that having that background, 
what are the things you do to help your team grow mentally, socially, emotionally? Because that's also a big part of coaching, right? We all see the X's and O's and this and that, but a lot of it is the the interactions with your teammates, your your teachers, your your other your other coaches, uh, you know, young young men grow, growing up, maturing. Um, everybody's at a different level, so. How do you kind of combine your psychology kind of experience and what what you've learned and, and seen and, and put it to help your team grow? Right. I mean, it, last year was really the first year I've actually taught, you know, the psychology class, which was kind of neat. But you, and as a coach, you kind of you're kind of hit the nail on the head as a coach. You're always kind of being a plain psychologist, I think. But I think there's a lot of different things, especially again, you know, I know COVID kind of, you know, put things a lot of bad, hurt, hurt things and put things back in a way. But also I think coming out of COVID, I think we learned some stuff too, which kind of was, is good for us, you know, in terms of, like you said, the social emotional development, all that kind of stuff that's going with it. So I think there's a lot of different things psychological wise that we could do to help, you know, our players grow and, and become better people and, and just become more healthier, you know, mentally in terms of things like that. You know, one thing, you know, we started Institute toward, you know, my last year or so, and then we'll get it, you know, it, it, it's, and meditation. I mean, I think that's a huge thing that, that people kind of, you know, again, it, it goes back to the debate, you know, and we had this when I was a sophomore coach at St. You know, if we get the chance to spend more time on the court or off the court doing something else, we were always going to err on the side of spending more time on the court. And I think that was kind of the mindset back then, you know, just drill more, do more, play more, do more. I think I've kind of taken the, 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 the thought now is I might cut back a little bit of what's going on the court, do more off the court stuff. Um, one of those things being, like I said, just kind of, you know, the team meditation segments. Um, you know, so just kind of just take those times to quiet your mind, breathe, and the, the you know, the proofs in the pudding in terms of the, uh, the research, how much that helps. Um, you know, again, it's one of those things psychologically, you know, that which gets praised gets repeated. I mean, you go back to the old ways of coaching and, you know, kind of you're more barking out, you know, criticize, screaming the criticisms. And now it's got to be more kind of if you want something done, done, praise it, shout the praise, you know, those kind of things and, and criticizing quiet, I think, is another kind of big thing kind of in terms of psychology and things like that. Um, thing I learned this year kind of teaching psychology, you know, we learned talked a lot about the people's defense mechanisms and stuff like that. And, you know, I've kind of become a little more, I think, understanding of why maybe a kid might react a certain way in a certain situation. I've kind of become a little more empathetic, you know, to those types of things as a coach, you know, kids maybe having an off day shooting. And again, we don't want them to kind of, you know, have those emotions and things like that. But, you know, all of a sudden they're having a, they're having a bad game and all of a sudden now you're kind of calling them up and, and they kind of become defensive about it. You know, back in the day, I would get all upset and, and um, you know, up, angry with them for kind of, you know, challenging me a little bit or whatnot. But now I've at least knowing the psychological workings of it now, you understand maybe those defense mechanism and, and, and those types of things. Um, you know, as a teacher, again, you know, it, it, it going back to the whole kind of, you know, if they if you tell it to them, they'll kind of somewhat remember it. You show them, they'll kind of remember it a little bit more. But now getting them to do it, you kind of I think being more active kind of on the court as opposed to, you know, them, you know, the long lectures as some coaches would used to give, you know, about, you know, here's how we're going to do this. Here's how we're going to do that. You know, get them more doing, get them more doing things. And as it kind of just kind of stand there, getting them more active, um, you know, they're, they're, again, dealing with millennials, I've, I've done a lot of kind of some reading on that stuff and things like that. And millennials are, are kind of their mindset and and things like that they don't retain and they don't have the attention span a lot of times things i should say uh whatever the generation we're dealing with what is gen z or whatever um 
the attention span. So gone are the days of, you know, four page scouting reports. You know, you can't kind of sit there and, and it kind of take them through every little thing. You know, I'm going to condense it. Now we're down to condensing it to a page, maybe um, just to kind of teach them in bullet points, those types of things. Hey, we're going to do this. We do that. And it's just going to be quick and concise. So that's all they can handle. That's all they can remember those types of things. Um, same with film sessions. I mean, you know, half hour, 45 minutes film sessions. I think kind of those days are gone. You know, it's just kind of the way we're dealing with the generation and those types of things. I think your film sessions got to be quick and concise and, you know, you really got to emphasize the things you got to emphasize and get it to them early. And, you know, I think again, it comes to going back to a little bit, you know, about, you know, that which gets praised gets repeated, you know, show more of the clips of the things of catching them doing it right. As opposed to maybe, you know, yeah, you want to show them their mistakes, but you don't want to dwell on those mistakes in film sessions and things like that. But show them more of maybe kind of, I think, again, a psychological thing. I got this from actually another coach, you know, maybe show more of the ball going in the basket and the ball not going in the basket. You know, it's more of a psychological kind of thing. If they see, okay, here's us executing the ball going in the basket, you know, it's going to be something that kind of triggers them that they're going to kind of want to do. So there's a lot of kind of different kind of um tidbits and, and things like I said, but it's, and I think it's all really comes coaching is psychology. Like I said, you know, so we're kind of been using it, but I've kind of stealing some of it that I've kind of picked up in the last few years, kind of teaching it. So you just mentioned your, your kind of preparation and scouting reports. Uh, those are halftime adjustment segments. We're going to go a little bit more X's and O's, but more just general. Okay. Um, you, you're you're preparing. Obviously, you play in one of the best conferences, right? You're every single day. You yeah. got you got you got a dude and multiple dudes and teams <laughs> that are really really good. Um, so you know, and co- really good coaches that do a lot of different do a lot of different things. Um, different styles. Yep. So you know, when you're going into the season and you start going, how are you? Um, you know, adding those aspects and preparing you know, yes, you got non-conference and things like that. Right. But, you know, you know, those teams in the conference. So how are you kind of adding that preparation to, to your practices for, for your teams in conference and, and, you know, those big time, time games, um, you know, to help your players prepare, whether it be, you know, getting used to looking at the scouting report or, you know, how to watch, how to watch video. um, So they, they can pull those things out. Um, when you get to those big games and big situations? I think a lot of that has to do with kind of just being consistent with what you're doing. Um, You know, I'm a big believer in kind of keeping it simple is another kind of thing. Um, Again, I, I, the overload is kind of, you know, as you overload and kind of things like that. So I think simplicity is kind of where is, is is where the beauty is. So we want to keep it kind of simple. We're a big believer. I think we've had a lot of success on, you know, I think if you, if you followed our teams, you know, we, we played our best basketball a lot of times in March, you know, we might struggle early and whatnot. I mean, we came back the one year, won the conference uh, tournament to third the next year, you know, and, and it, we're, we kind of really put an emphasis on the process. You know, we, we kind of, you know, yeah, individual games are kind of, but it's all, we, we want to play our best basketball in March, I think is the big message that we're, we're telling guys, you know, and I, I don't want to say I would maybe give up a game, or, but, I, but if it's good, something's going to help me win in March that maybe I kind of maybe that maybe we give, you know, it might hurt us in November, you know, I, I think we're okay with that for the most part because I said I said I think the key is is the end result. It's that process. Um, you know, I think a lot of that, like you said, kind of is our schedule. You know, we schedule tough. We always schedule tough. You know, we schedule. You know, we didn't look to necessarily schedule wins and stuff like that in our non cons. You know, we played at the Tosh and we played in some really good tournaments at at, 
And so I think, you know, your schedule kind of helps prepare you for that end result. Too. They said, you know, we can say, boy, we play, you know, this team, this team, this team. And then all of a sudden now you get to and you're playing, you know, somebody in a, in a regional semis. And it's like we played 10 teams during the season a, a lot that were a lot, you know, athletic, maybe a lot better, you know, things like that. So I think that's kind of a big thing. It helps our kids kind of understand, you know, it's all kind of geared towards what we're doing in March. Like so kind of gives them the confidence. But then again, I think I go back as you start your season, like you said, you do got to kind of teach them to kind of, here's what we're looking for in film breakdown. Here's what you're looking for in a scouting report. You know, you, you want to kind of keep, so we do kind of teach them and walk them through those things early in the season. You know, Hey, here's okay. And this possession, we want you to really kind of focus in on the defensive rotations. You know, that's kind of, you know, this is, again, you know, we're, we're watching, um, you know, St. Ignatius is, you know, offense and Hey, you know, here's how we're going to rotate, you know, kind of key in as we're watching them and maybe don't key in so much on your guy for these, for these three clips, just key on how we want to rotate defensively. And then now, okay. You know, clips four, five, and six. Okay. Kind of concentrate on your matchup is kind of some, we'll kind of, and then kind of as the season goes along, we kind of allow the players to kind of lead those film sessions. Then, you know, we get them to the point where like I said, again, show them how to do it. Let them hit, but then also now they need to do it. So we'll kind of, you know, we'll get to a point where, okay, it's uh, players A, B, and C. You got this. Now, again, the coaches are doing work too, but you guys got this week's kind of, you got to come up with 10 defensive, 10 offensive clips to get us ready for um, uh, 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 St. Ignatius. You got to, okay, then next, the next game, okay, it's players, uh, you know, you guys' job is to kind of pick these clips down. Um, you know, we'll kind of tell them earlier, maybe a couple of days ahead of time. Okay, here's your potential matchups. Here's the two guys you could guard. And, you know, we'll have them come back and report to the team, this guy's strengths, this guy's weaknesses. So it's kind of, you know, we kind of put, like I said, I'm a big believer. I said, I've come a long way in that, you know, back to, you know, I know we started out talking about, you know, when I was a sophomore coach, it was kind of, you know, it was all my show, you know, and it's kind of how naive and dumb you were at that age. Now it's their show. So, I mean, we've kind of put into a lot of the players take the lead on a lot of that stuff. But again, yeah, I think you got to teach them how to do it first. So we're going to follow up here. You talked about process, right? And, and playing your best in, in March. John and I, I coached at Vider for a long time. John coaches at Res. We've said this all the time that our, our conference and our people we play help us come playoff time. But, you know, process is all good and well, and you, you can say it, but, you you know, you got to show your players. So how do you show your players, hey, that this process is working, right? You could have, you know, you go, maybe you have a tough stretch. You lose two games real close or – you know, maybe you're not playing as well. Is it is it using stats? Is it using certain things you pick out on, on film? Uh, maybe you executed this set better, whatever it may be. How do you kind of instill that belief in the process? Because you know, eventually they got they got to see it. Right. And, and know what, sure. what the process looks like. Right. I think, well, first it starts with you as the coach, too. I mean, you know, if you tell them that, you know, it's about playing our best basketball in March they got to see your actions line up with your. So if you're all of a sudden, tell them it's all about March, it's all about March, and then all of a sudden you're getting hung up on one loss in November for the next week, they're not going to – you're going to send them mixed signals. So I think, you know, as, as a coach, as a leader, I think the first thing you got to back up your words with your actions. So I think that's kind of number one is kind of you, you kind of having the, the actions to back up. It's about, about – and we want to play our best basketball. I think I mentioned it kind of hit on a little bit earlier. Like I said, okay, maybe, you know, we feel like, you know, we're struggling maybe to score a little bit, you know, Hey, here's, you know, our last five games of, you know, here's us executing right. And here's the ball going in the basket. Or even in this case, we're executing right. And we just missed the dang layup. 
I mean, I think that's kind of the, you know, kind of getting that film and kind of be able to kind of point them to, you know, hey, here's us doing things right. And here's us getting a great look at the basket. Here's us doing things right. Here's again, here's the ball going in the basket. I mean, again, kids are a lot of today. They're visual learners. They again, and they're kind of living on, dying on the, they don't come, but if you get a chance to kind of get that, they said film is one of the greatest tools. I mean, that's kind of one of the things we, one of the huge benefits coaching now, I said huddle so simple. I can kind of, Hey, you know, Friday night we play Saturday morning going to school. I can clip, you know, 10 clips of us having great possessions, you know, on the defensive end, on the offensive end, I can shoot it out in a text to the guys. Hey fellas, keep your heads up. Hey, here's us. Here's what, here's where, here's where we're at. We're getting there. We're getting close. You know, those types of things, you know, I think and a lot of times is letting them kind of get in, let them, you know, I give them, you know, I'm, I'm coaching with a couple of guys that, you know, have, have been coaching for a long time. You know, they've been, one of the guys used to coach, be the head coach at Providence. You know, he's told me multiple times this summer, you know, he was with me, you know, how he's you know, impressed, you know, that we let the kids do the talking at the end of games. And and a lot of times we do kind of let the kids lead the discussion that, you know, we, we call them after action reviews. And I'll just look at the guys and say, hey, fellas, what, what are we doing well? And, you know, they'll come up with three, four things. You know, here's what we did well in today's game. You know, I said, okay, what do we got to do better? And they'll come up with three or four things we got to do better. And, you know, I like, and I, you know, then you kind of, well, can we do these things better? Can we get there? You know, what? and then to the man, they'll kind of, yeah, coach, we got to do this. We got to do that. Um, but again, I think it's kind of, like I said, showing them it through film. Like I said, kind of involving them in the process themselves. I think is again, you can't just kind of keep up with it. You got to involve them in the process and, you know, kind of maybe some of the, the, the game plan and decision making, um, things along those lines um, would be the best way you kind of think you help them kind of. And then like I said, eventually you're going to have to kind of, you know, I said, you know, as I, we establish ourselves and you win some games in March and things like that, I think the kids then believe in the track record then too. So as we get into the second half of the episode, we, uh, with every episode, we're trying to focus on a theme. And for you, for you, we wanted to really focus on returning to your program and, and kind of self-reflection as a coach. You, you've kind of hit on it already a little bit, but we're going to dig a little deeper. So just first, uh, the first question in the second half is just, you know, how did you kind of know it was time to return as the head coach at, at Providence and, and kind of what were some things that went into your decision that you're like, you know what, this, this is where I belong. This is where I want to be the head coach. You know, that would be kind of, if I, if I got any advice to give, if there's any young coaches out there listening is it, it's kind of make the big time where you're at. Um, there's a book I read probably about 12 years ago uh, by a coach by the name of Frosty Weather, Weathering, I think it was his name. And at the time it really didn't sink into me. But, you know, as, as I've kind of learned and grown and been at different stops and things like that, I come back and I just read the book probably about, oh, a year and a half, two years ago again. Um, you know, make the big, you know, don't always be looking for that next big thing. And, you know, everyone's got a place for them that's kind of special and specific. And, and I've been lucky, to be honest with you. I've had a couple places where it's been. But, you know, I think, you know, ultimately, you know, Providence is kind of the big time for me. It, it's, it's a good school. Um, it's got great people there. You know, it's it just, you know, it, it, as you tell your kids, I think, too, you know, it's more than about wins and losses and things like that. It's about, you know, the relation. Again, I keep hitting home. I think that that's another kind of, you know, it's about the relationship. So I got great relationships with those people there. I was able to sustain them even when I left like five years ago and we've kept those up. And, you know, so those relationships is just kind of that's, you know, if you're able to kind of, like I said, maintain those relationships after you leave a place like that and things, it to me, it tells you the place is pretty special. And I said, I mean, I, I would still see all those people after I left on a regular basis. And it, it's, you know, so, you know, so as I'm, I'm going to St. Pat's the one, 
you know, and, and I said, again, it kind of all ties together a little bit, you know, probably about six years ago, I built a, built a townhouse out in Lockport, you know, five minutes from the school, you know, and then, so now last two years ago, I'm driving to St. Pat's for now. And I'm one of these days I'm fine. Just said, what am I doing? You know, and I'm 294 is a mess. I mean, if everyone's, I mean, it's just kind of an absolute nightmare. You know, some days it take me an hour and a half to kind of, you know, get home and things like that. So, you know, we're coming to the close at the end of the year at St. Pat's two years ago. And, you know, I'm kind of a little bit of a crossroads myself in my mind, you know, and the phone rings and I get a call from, from the president at Providence. And he says, Hey, you know, we can basically give your old job back without being the head basketball coach. Would you have any interest? And, you know, five minutes from my house, those relationships, you know, it was kind of an easy thing to, you know, it is, is it again, it's something I don't regret necessarily leaving, but Gosh, you don't get many chances to kind of get do-overs and things like that. It, it was kind of, to me, it was, a, again, Catholic school, my Catholic faith. It was kind of a message from from God to me, kind of, I said, this is where you belong. All right. In the same, in the same vein, then, um, maybe something you used in the first time, right, go around, that you applied the second time, and then something that you used the first time that you didn't use the second time. You know what I mean? Like, Yep. Kind of what you what you what you learned worked and then something you changed that hey that didn't that didn't work yep I, I think again kind of we just hit on a few minutes I think the big thing and I think some programs are different things like that you know but we end up with if one of the things that probably do get some quite a few multi-sport players there um you know I had a, a kid that's playing in the NFL right now played for me on our 2015 team um so we'll get so we gotta share athletes um, so again, I would go back to, you know, so there might be times when we don't get some of our guys until after Thanksgiving, cause we're playing in the football state championship. Well, again, I think that goes back to the process. I think we're really good. You know, it's all going to be about the, you know, the process, the process, the, pro you know, we're not going to get hung up on, you know, early season stuff and things like this Our we're planning our season with the end goal of winning a regional, getting to the sectional championship, maybe getting a little luck and getting down, you know, to super and getting downstate you know i think i think you have to kind of keep that you know at smaller schools where you share some athletes and things like that i think you have to kind of keep that in mind is you know you might not have your guys early in the year and things like that so they said we're really going to focus on let's play our best basketball i think then it's worked well was a key to our success for the first eight years we were there i think it's gonna be key to success for the next 15 20 years that we'll be there so i think that's a huge thing um x's and o's in terms of you know what i what i've learned here now is that again i've had a great experience now kind of you know, going back, working with Coach Bailey again, seeing some things differently, being assistant last year, probably some, again, I, we got to keep it simple. I think I'm a big, but we're also, we're going to have to, we, I, I'm a believer now you got to kind of be multiple in some of in what you're doing offensively and defensively. Yeah. I don't think, you know, I said, I was, I used to be a straight man to man guy, you know, working with coach for the year. He was all one, three, one last year. We were all three, one, one in Providence. I think you got to have a blend of those two. You got to be able to play man and zone. I think, you know, there's gotta be times, you know, even it's just kind of come out of a timeout, the team's in a little bit of a rhythm. Hey, we're going to switch to our, our one, three, one tonight, or, you know, boy, this, this, this defense might suit us better tonight, you know, one, three, one than our man. So, and, and the same thing with our offense, you know, you know, again, got, got a great taste the last couple of years of running kind of some like pace and space dribble drive type of stuff. But when I was coming up and what I, you know, what I'm used to is, is, is a good old fashioned uh, motion offense. So, you know, I think you got to have your, your primary offense, but then you also, okay, this ain't working tonight. This isn't working tonight. Or boy, I don't think this is going to work against, you know, um, the Paul switching man. So now we're going to try, you know, kind of have a little bit of secondary variation to that. Um, and then I think the other thing is you just kind of going to maybe not only if X's and O's wise is second time around, I think, you know, I'm going to try and involve the parents a heck of a lot more. 
Um, you know, I kind of tried my first time through was kind of keep the parents at an arm's distance. Um, now, to me, you know, you forget it, but, you know, again, go back to Catholic schools. Some of these families are paying $15,000 for their kid to go to their school. They want an experience to the parents. You know, they're, you know, yes, it's, it's their son's experience on the court, but, you know, they want to kind of have a good experience with this, too. And I want to do everything I can to help them have a good experience in our in our basketball program, in our athletic program at our school. Um, so those would be a couple of things that jump. I could go. There's a long list of things I learned not to do again and do again. But those are a couple of things that jump out of me right away. Coach, I wanted to follow real quick because I think that's a last that last thing the parents talked about is it's really, really important because um, I think that's something like <laughs> you don't that's not like in the coaching manual. Right. You have the X's and O's. You right. have how to do scouting reports um whatever it may be yeah. and then a lot of those things aren't, aren't in, in the manual right so you got to kind of learn all along the way so maybe just just for we could be junior high coaches high school coaches whatever it may be um how do you kind of involve the parents and what are the things you do to help them be feel part of the, your community right i think one of the things that um you know we started doing kind of my last and then what you know, I, I and I got this all again. This is nothing by no means is this any of my stuff. You know, this is all, you know, coaching stealing. You know, you steal some of the stuff, best stuff from us. So I'm not kind of telling you, I've, but you know, you know, parents practice in the preseason. You know, I know we got a lot to do heading into those Thanksgiving tournaments, but you get the parents out to your practice and you even involve them. And you know, if they want to jump in, a, you know, again, you kind of tailor your practice to, you know, okay, we're gonna have some parents out there. You know, they want to jump in and do some drills with their son. I mean, you know, we kind of we kind of make it kind of a fun night. They jump in, do some drills, kind of they watch practice. You know, we come back afterwards. You know, we kind of have a little social in, in our uh, at Commons area. Uh, another thing we've done in the past, it's been a huge hit. Um, and I've asked and other people ask me again, and this is not mine. I stole it from another coach, you know, around uh, thank, uh, not Thanksgiving, February. We do a mother son dinner. Um, we get together. We go to a spot um, in the area. We get to get sons and, and moms sit together. It's kind of a formal thing. The kids get dressed up. The moms get dressed up a little bit, uh, have dinner together, which they said they don't see their kids a lot during the season. So how nice it is just to get to see them. Um, and then we kind of, the kid uh, at the end of the night has to stand up and read a poem to their mom that ends with the words, I love you, mom. And you can see there's tears from, you know, running down his mom's eyes when that stuff happens. And, it, you know, so enhancing their experience that way. Um, try to get the parents involved, kind of put them together, kind of running a fundraiser, running pasta dinners. You know, just the more I think you can involve them. Like I said, I said, it's every business. Again, it's the kids' experience. I get it. But it, it, the parents are getting an experience out of this, too. You know, they form relationships and bonds and things like that. So those are just come a couple of the quick things that we do to kind of help get parents involved. And, you know, I think the more you can do that, again, Back again, I was one of those guys my first time through keeping at arm's length. They're kind of my enemies, all this stuff. Hey, you can either make them your enemies or you can make them your kind of co-partners in a lot of this. And I think it's going to be a lot better for people and a lot less headaches. Well, speaking of stealing, I literally was writing all of that down as you were talking and I yep. will be stealing that, multiple things you just said. So thank you. That, for that, goes that. In the, that goes in the hand, the handbook in the portfolio, right? Yes, it does. <laughs> I just wrote three things down. Um, all right. So one topic uh, we really have not ever hit on this with a guest, and I really wanted to, to hit on this, you know, as a head coach, what do you do to kind of self-reflect in the off season? You know, I know I do it a ton, but you know, how do you know things you need to personally change? You know, as a head coach, we're grading our assistants, we're grading our players, but sometimes there's not always somebody grading us. So kind of 
for our listeners, how do you kind of self-reflect and decide like, hey, you know, this season I didn't like when I did this or this next season, I really want to change this that I did. Well, I, I think kind of, I don't know if it's self reflect but I mean, I, I'm a big believer in feedback. I, again, I, this is something I would have never done 10 years ago, 12 years ago when I was kind of, you know, sophomore coaches. But again, I've been working with a lot of different guys kind of at different things. And they've kind of, you know, I about once a month, I will I will ask my players, you know, how does it feel to be coached by me? You know, and again, I think that's such a powerful question. You know, if, if you could, again, you've got to have that relationship, though, with your players. you got to have that trust developed. Because a lot of times early on when I kind of try to, you know, they'll spit you back to kind of the, the, the you know, standard, oh, coach, everything's great, everything's fine. And they kind of tell you what you want to hear. But, you know, but just by, I think if you ask them, you know, you got the good relationship with that kid, that player, how does it really feel to be coached by me? And they can give you a good, honest answer. And, and again, if you got their relationship, I've got some powerful answers. You know, I've been kind of, you know, kind of, you know, about how's it, how's it, how's my coaching feel on them. And it's kind of helped me kind of change the way and think about the way I, I kind of, you know, again, you'll get some kids who, who and again, that's what I don't think people understand. You know, you can't coach every kid the same way. Um, you know, certain kids need to be kicked in the rear to be motivated. You know, I've had certain kids say, hey, coach, you got to get on me more. You know, but then there's other kids who say, hey, coach, you need to back off a little bit. You know, some so kids, a lot of times as kids need kind of some kids need a kick in the rear end. Kids need, you know, that that um, arm around. them. So I think that's been a great question for me to use to ask them, you know, and then you can kind of, you know, kind of chew on that yourself. And kind of that that leads to a lot of self-reflection, their answers. You know, again, a lot of again, it's common theme. I think it's kind of a common kind of practice now these days. But as you kind of do your exit interviews with, with kids and things like that, you know, what is something in this program that you really want us to keep doing that you really like? What's something that we have to stop doing, you know, that you don't like that's kind of you think is hurting the program, is hurting our players. And maybe what's something new that you need that we need as a program to start doing? I think those three questions are great. You know, stop, start and, and, and introduce are great questions. And same thing as you ask your assistants that say those same questions kind of, hey, you know, what, what are some things? How do you see it? So I'm constantly asking them to, for feedback. You know, I'll ask my AD to kind of stop in and practice and tell me what he sees and give me some feedback. You know, I've, we've got some great mentors in the area at, at Providence. And, you know, and I got right at the school, Frank Palmasani, who won a state championship coach in Walter Downing. He'll stop by practice. Hey, coach, what would you see? You know, Pat Sullivan, coach, you know, the, the, the great coach at the University of St. Francis, you know, is still out this way. And, you know, he'll stop by practice every now and then. Hey, coach Sullivan, any any thoughts, anything like that? And then, you know, in July becomes then a great time as you kind of keep a little notebook of things. You know, I'm always taking notes when I'm talking to kids in our interviews and things like that. And you can kind of chew, you know, chew on it over the month of July. Like I said, we, we finished up July or June 29th. I think was our last kind of official contact day. So I've had about five weeks here to kind of, you know, go through my notebook. And, you know, again, kind of the, the, the uh, psychology piece, a lot. you know, I try and spend a lot, you know, about half hour a day just quiet you know, in this month of July. And I do, I got a lot of time to do that now. So I get sitting quiet, the solitude, you know, gloss over those thoughts about, Hey, you know, this kid said, maybe we should try this. You know, this coach was thinking that, uh, and you kind of just kind of review it. And then the other things you get back, once I do all that, I get back to my mentors, guys that really know our program 
and say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about trying this. You know, what would be kind of the, 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 the drawbacks of doing this? And like I said, I got some great people to bounce ideas off of. And, you know, they'll, they'll, and they'll be honest with me, too, and say, hey, Tim, you know, boy, I don't know if this is really the best thing for, for your program and your situation. Or, or they'll tell me, hey, it's a great idea. But I think, you know, having that group of mentors is huge that you can kind of pick up the phone now after, you know, spending July thinking about maybe we'll try this, maybe we'll try that. And just asking them what their thoughts are is kind of a, I said, again, it goes back to how we start again. All this stuff comes full circle, you know, just the coaching fraternity, having those relationships, be able to kind of bounce those ideas off of. So perfect lead in to next question. You talked, you've talked about your mentors a lot, people you've worked for. Um, So how do you go about the process of of filtering that information, right? Because you can get so much information from anywhere, anywhere you look, there's stuff flying at you. So the first part of this question is like, you know, what do you go through to know what to take and then say or kind of say, hey, yeah, thanks for the suggestion, but that maybe that's not right for me or right for our program or whatever it may be. Just the filtering process of all the information you get. Right. Um, I think and I think I think um, your last guest I talked a little bit about this on, on, your, on your last episode, the coach from Sterling. I do a lot like he does. Um June, you know, you that to me, that's a trial and error, you know, hey, boy, I'm thinking about maybe trying this, maybe adding this to our off, maybe this wrinkle to our offense, or you know what, maybe we're going to add this wrinkle to our uh, 31 defense. And I think June is kind of an experimentation month, you know, you can kind of, yeah, you're trying to kind of, you know, you want to win some basketball games in the month of June, you know, you play a gazillion of them, but, um, you know, so we're kind of getting in there, but, you know, get to me, I'd use that as kind of a, an experimentation month, kind of trying to get this, then as you get June done, I think you can kind of sit there and hammer some of that out. You know, we'll try and kind of, you know, we got the huddle camera, you know, up in our gym. So we'll try and kind of film our workouts in the summer, you know, in terms of our practices in the gym, you know, go back and look at, Hey boy, this really worked in this situation. Boy, maybe it didn't work. Um, Again, I'm a big believer. I said, I don't want to throw too much at them. I'll kind of filter it down to maybe just, maybe it's one or two things that maybe if we're going to change, because we're not going to overhaul everything, I think that's too, too much for kids. So I'll, you know, if you got a list of 15 things, you know, talk to people, you know, boy, these are the top two areas, you know, I'll have whatever areas of, you know, we need to concern or kind of most pressing for this upcoming season. You know, we see the schedules, this and our teams, this, okay, these two things. And now I'll kind of month of June, I can kind of hammer home kind of, you know, again, we got, again, this is where our advantage is the internet, you know, books, all those types of things to tell, you know, kind of I'll go through those things, those two things offensively, two things defensively in the month of July and kind of, you know, does it fit our personnel? Does it not fit our personnel? You know, our, our coaches, you know, we get together sometimes. We like to kind of do kind of a coach's retreat, our staff, you know, maybe get away for a weekend and kind of just talk. And then we just kind of, all right, here's the two things I've kind of looked at, you know, and I'll tell them ahead of time, you know, let's kind of break this down and see what you guys think. And, we kind of have some great discussions at those, you know, behind closed doors and things like that. And, you know, again, assistants are what head coaches make it. You can, they can be great resources for resources for you, or you can, you know, kind of just have them be, I I, I like that coach Bailey did. I like to use them. So I said, here guy, here's the things. And we have some great discussions about those things. So as we get into our last two segments, uh, the first one we call 30 second timeout. It's uh, our guests opportunity to talk about whatever they would like themselves, their program, something they want their listeners to know more about, uh, turn the tables and ask Todd and I a question. Uh, so kind of the, the floor is yours. Sure. Uh, well, this is one thing I think for all of us as coaches, we need to kind of think of, and I know everyone's kind of, you know, a hot topic in in uh, our sports, you know, especially in Illinois, is a shot clock, those you know, some rules changes and things like that. 
Um, but again, your guys' thoughts, ideas, things here is we implement we implement a shot clock. Maybe we change some rules. I think one thing we're kind of forgetting here is a conversation we gotta keep having. You know, is you know we have a short shortage of officials going on here throughout the country. Um, you know, and I think again, what are your guys some thoughts or whatnot? How can we what can we do better to kind of get some younger guys into officiating? Because again, I, I plan on doing this hopefully for about another twenty years. I hope we got enough officials for another 20 years that it, it is getting a little, and I don't know if you guys are seeing on your side of the ball, but they said that we're seeing, I'm seeing sophomore varsity officials having to come work a sophomore game. We're seeing sophomore officials staying and working a varsity game. And it's never used to be like that. So it, to me, I, that's a little worrisome right now where, where the state of our games had in terms of officiating. Um, one of the things I did was, you know, we, at Maris we, was was about last year there. We start, implemented a, an officiating course, and I actually kind of, yeah, I'd say kind of helped me out, and we were able to license some guys and stuff like that. So if anybody's out there listening, that you can implement that at your school just to get more young people involved in this. Um, I said this this is going to come hit us pretty soon. I got a feeling, so we got to be ready for that. All right, let's go into our uh, quick hitter segment. Just kind of rapid fire, random questions. Could be basketball, could not be basketball. Uh, just having some fun to finish out the episode. Um, all right, first one is, do you have any, like, uh, maybe superstitions, good luck charms, things that you feel bring you luck before a game? Well, they only come out on big games, but I do have my lucky suspenders. You know, if anyone's ever kind of seen a uh, Pat's Notre Dame sophomore game or whatnot, things like that back in the day, or even now, the, I do have a pair of suspenders that only come out for, for the big Your Kids will know it's a big game, but they see me wearing it. Awesome. we have definitely not heard that one before <laughs> okay so i put this one in on purpose and obviously you know let's let's uh not give too many of his secrets but what's a what's a good mike bailey story <laughs> well uh we got a few i i think one of my favorites is it's probably like my second or third year at back teaching full-time coaching on the staff um we're playing Notre Dame in the regional championship at, on a Friday night at St. Pat's. Um, so this is Thursday night practice is done. Kind of coaches kind of go out a little bit, kind of debrief about the week, get ready. For, you know, Hey, what do we got for tomorrow? Uh, I think everybody just about leaves. It's me and coach Bailey left sitting and sitting. I think we were at Galvin's and whatnot. And so coach kind of looks to me and again, this is something you got to learn as an assistant coach. You got to kind of learn what you're saying to the head coaches. What if, you know, he turns to me and says, uh, so there's is is there any possible way Notre Dame beats us tomorrow? And me and my un, un, un I guess my my wisdom turns to coach says, Well, coach, you know, we're ready because back in the day when the East Suburban, you know, played head to uh, home and home, coach, you know, we've already beat them twice. It's awfully tough to beat a team three times in a year, especially your rival. So <laughs> we kind of leave on that note. Next morning we come into school, and I think coach has dark circles under his eyes and he looks like he, hey, coach, what's the matter? Uh, Tim, I didn't sleep all night after what you told me. <laughs> I, I mean, again, I, I, I probably should have, again, no, I would not have said it, but it was like one of those things, you know, he came back, you know, he's like, he, he uh, you know, I kept him up all, and I don't think he slept much on game nights or pre-begin with, but this is what he didn't sleep a wing. Think about it, because I, you know, we're going to lose the regional championship to Notre Dame because we already beat them twice. Um, if you got time for another quick one, there was another time. Yeah. Again, some, for some reason, it always kind of relates back to Galvin's for whatever reason. I don't know why, <laughs> but, you know, again, we're sitting there. We're in the middle of this. I think it was towards the end of the season. One night we're sitting at Galvin's. We're talking. 
And again, I think, you know, a coach that kind of, you know, he gives his assistants, you know, things to look at that, you know, he's thinking about maybe doing for the next year, things like that. So he hands me, I think it was three Lincoln high school, one, two, two ball press tapes to, you know, kind of, Hey, why don't you go watch these? Let me know what you think, you know, thinking about maybe doing this, you know, so we finished the night up at Galvin's, we go home. Um, I get home the next morning, I wake up like, uh Oh, the tapes are gone. I think what I did was that when I got to the car, I put them on my top of my car to open the Oops. car door. And so I had to go back next morning. They weren't in the middle of Lawrence Avenue. They were about two weeks later, coach comes to me and says, Hey, Tim, uh, what do you think about the, the one, two, two? And is that that by coach, um, the tapes are sorry, are gone. And needless to say, we never ran the one, two, two that is St. Pat's. <laughs> yeah. Good old, good old tape days, right? The tape. Exchange. Yep. Yeah. VHS. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, your favorite uh, off season getaway activity. Uh, golf. You know, it's one of those things I've kind of become, I'm not very good at it, but yeah, I've become an avid. you know, it's one of those things, you, you know, you, you really didn't, you, you kind of, looked at people funny who did it in high school back when I was in high school, but now it's one I wish I would have done it in high school. It's some, you know, I try and spend a lot of July doing and whatnot. And it's just, yeah, that's me right now. So for those of you that don't know, I, I know coach, you coach baseball for a long time. And I also kind of, since we're in the summer, I wanted to throw in a couple of summer <laughs> ones. So what's like, you're, you're going to a baseball game and you're kind of your favorite food that you're, you're getting at a baseball game. Oh, I got to get one of those, uh, hot fudge sundays in the helmets those okay. are kind of those are the yeah. i got you know, collection of the helmets and things like that but you if i have to have one of those before i leave yep i still got some helmets laying around i think from like <laughs> dairy the dairy queen days when they used to go out in helmets <laughs> yep. right like all, oh, yeah. all the teams. Yep. and you were hoping you wouldn't get the same one or you know i was always hoping <laughs> yeah. i didn't get the cardinals <laughs> one because that yep. wasn't worth anything right <laughs> um all right your favorite barbecue food uh, I'm a cheeseburger guy. I'm a plain Jane when it comes to that stuff. Give me a cheese, good old cheeseburger, probably a double cheeseburger with a little bit of bacon on it. Mm. And I'm a happy man. That sounds delicious. I might have to go cook that up in, <laughs> this afternoon. Uh, and then the last one, I thought I would throw in a, a one basketball one. What's maybe a, a skill you feel is under taught in the game? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I think everyone would kind of agree on it, but I'd take, I'll break it down a little further. I think passing is kind of a lost art a little bit. But specifically, especially now with the way the game's gone, I think feeding the post, the post pass is kind of that's, you know, we got a kid now, we probably got about six, 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 seven that we're going to have to utilize in the post this year. And I could, you know, we'll trade it this summer. We're trying to get it in there, you know, and we'll make some just God awful passes. And the coach will look at it and we'll look at it. Well, we don't teach it. And no one teaches it anymore. I mean, it's, it's one. So it's one of those things on our notes that we're going to have to go down and make sure kind of we get to early in the season, first, second day of practice, kind of go back, break it down, down that post fee, that post pass. So coach Trendle, we really appreciate you being on. Uh, we, uh, we look forward to the things you're going to do in the second time around at Providence. And uh, we appreciate your time this morning. And I know this is a episode our listeners will really enjoy. Thanks, John. Thanks, Todd. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the After the Timeout podcast in concert with the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association. Please remember to give us a five-star rating wherever you may listen. For more show content and upcoming episodes, follow us on Twitter at After the Timeout and subscribe to our podcast for upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening.